What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. TheChairShot.com. TheChairShot.com. Always. Always. Use your head. You are now listening to Chair Shot Radio. Always use your head. Oh, yeah, here it is. It's another Tuesday. It's a Tuesday with David Ongar and Patrick O'Dowd doing some Chair Shot Radio. Musical Chairs, Season 2 Finale Day. Season 2 Finale, and we spoiled everything on last week's show when I talked about OK Go, and you talked about The Offspring, and put off, uh, put out some, some tunes to, to everybody to listen to. We told everybody ahead of time that we were going to do uh, Van Halen, and I was going to do John Hall or Daryl Hall and John Oates, which, by the way, for the record, going to go see this coming weekend, which is why I decided to end the season with Daryl Hall and John Oates, because what better way to do it, right? Like heading into a concert to see these two guys perform, it makes a lot of sense that that we would kind of wrap it or that I would kind of wrap it up with them. And, you know, of course, you went with a favorite as well. Uh, so we took all the mystery out of this week's episode, man. And I and I, I don't know, hopefully it gets us some clicks because these are two familiar band names, right? Like hopefully this gets the tool treatment. Yeah, they it's you know, you're talking two of the biggest <laughs> biggest acts that we've covered so far. But uh yeah, that that's this season. Yeah, I mean the, we the, covered Metallica last yeah, season, Led, like Led Zeppelin Rush, Green Led Day. Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. been Queen, you know, just a few big names last yes. year. But uh but yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to talk about the bands today, and I mean you've had, you know, to pull the curtain back, you've had Hall and Oates as your background for the entire season, so it only makes sense. Does are you going to pull it down now? Or are you still waiting for Greg to, uh, you know, to? No, I'm going to pull it down. I'm actually so to can to complete the pulling of the curtain back. Uh, we are recording in front of Bandwagon Nerds, and I am changing my background after this recording to a different background. Uh, special for today, reflective of my mood. It'll 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 make all the sense in the world. You'll you'll just be like, oh, okay. When when I put it up, um, though, I I think yesterday's show, yesterday's bandwagon nerds, is gonna be one where we might get a little angry, folks. Like, I, so if we sound mad, it's 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 our own fault because we're gonna talk about Warner Brothers again. And Warner Brothers is just a problem. Warner Brothers Discovery is just a problem these days. So, but that's a whole other show. That's a whole other show. What you are listening to right now is Chairshot Radio, uh, musical chairs here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. TheChairshot.com. Always use your head. Thank you, Christopher Platt and Dave. I I. Looking back over this, and we'll we'll do this as a wrap up as well. I like our playlist this year. I liked our playlist last year too. This one, I felt at least for myself, I felt like it took a lot of risks. 
some of the artists, like I, I feel like I went off the beaten path a lot uh, with some artists that I liked and loved, and, and I thought that was really exciting. And I think you did too. With maybe maybe not necessarily like outside of your genre or preferences, but the bands that the other like we we both I thought did a lot of bands the other wasn't as familiar with, and that worked out really well I thought for this year or this season's the season's playlist. So go us like pat pat yourself on the back. I will bury Har- bury Horowitz ourselves all day long, but I oh yeah. I yeah I'm I'm hoping you put together the playlist on Spotify like you did last year and and getting to listen to it will be yeah there's some really good hidden gems in there you know it, it is it is a bit more diversified I think well to some extent than last year I mean last year had my my plan my plan is to do it I, I also have to go back and re-listen to all of our our, our shows because once again I did I didn't do like it's funny I work so much harder for. Like the, this is the work I did for the list for the Greg DeMarco show that I have written down. I don't do this for for musical chairs. Like I, I get my band, I pick my two songs, and that's that's kind of it. So I blame, I blame I Greg for that. He's a slave driver, man. Look at the work he he's makes not, you do. Well, like I don't make you all do a ton of work for our for our shows, but no, the intent is absolutely to do a season two playlist on Spotify. Uh, it has, it's under my personal Spotify account. That's the only thing I don't love. I wish that uh, the chairshot.com had an account uh, of some sort. Uh, it's, it's weird because it used to be all connected to Facebook. I don't think it is anymore. I think you can do a free account out, outside of outside of Facebook. But Spotify originated out of uh, an app that you would put on a Facebook and link with your Facebook account. So. Yes, that playlist will happen. It will happen in probably not as timely a fashion as people would hope would probably want. But that is on the docket. It's on the to-do. Because I, I feel like we have a good list. Like, we have jazz. We have easy listening. We have some metal. We've got some alternative. we got a li- little bit of punk. Um, pop punk. Just some good, I feel like some really good stuff. Like, that, that deserves a listen. Yeah, it's good, and I mean, I've got a healthy list for season three that I've uh, that I've already accumulated of bands that I want to talk about. But yeah, like like you're saying, we took some risks and got a little bit more personal with some of the stuff, and uh, you know, a few surprises like last minute throw like Black Star Riders and things like that, like that throwing it at the right. last second. Um, but yeah, I think I think the playlist is really good this year. It's it's uh, yeah, I mean, eclectic is a, it was the word for last year. I'd say this year even more so. So I'm looking forward to listening. Listening to it, it'll be a good time. Absolutely. So, um, I forgot who did I go first last week or did you go first? Uh, I think you went first last week. All right. So, when we come back, we're going to take our first commercial break. And this is how good of a podcast host I am. I work really hard on rundowns for bandwagon nerds. And on this one, every week, I'm like, Dave, who went first? <laughs> like, I always put it on you to tell us who went first or last. So, when we come back from our first commercial break, Dave is going to talk a little Van Halen with you. And we're finally going to get the answer to that age-old question. Is Dave a David Lee Roth guy or a Sammy Hagar? All that when we return to Musical Chairs on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore. 
everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Chairshot Radio Musical Chairs. I am Patrick O'Dowd, joined by David Ongar, as always. Season two finale of Musical Chairs. We just rolling into the season finale over the next few recordings, man. Like we got, got a bandwagon herds uh, season finale coming up as well. It's very exciting. About a month, uh, yeah, a month away. Yeah, a little less than a month. It's kind of crazy. You know, we celebrated 150 episodes last week, and uh, you know, it was a solid episode. Basically, just an episode. Like it wasn't particular. There's not a lot of fanfare involved, but uh, still, a, still a high quality show. And this season finale of Musical Chairs, you're gonna. We're both sharing a couple of our, our of our all time faves, and so we we were open. You were open. We're gonna talk a little Van Halen, and I think uh, there's no better way to get to it than to talk about the mo- one of the most influential guitarists uh, in the history of rock and roll. Oh, and Eddie Van yeah. Halen. Yeah, I mean. Eddie was probably the reason why I started playing guitar. I I think, you know, when you start playing guitar and you're like 16 and you're growing up in the eighties, you know, you're probably learning like stairway to heaven. And then right after that, you're learning how to play eruption and trying to figure out the whole tapping thing. Yeah. Eddie, to me personally, still uh, to this day, I would, I mean, and I've read a lot of stuff and there's great guitarists out there. I mean, you could talk Jimmy page, Pete Townsend, uh, Brian may Eric Clapton, I mean, to me, it's always been Jimi Hendrix one, Eddie Van Halen two, and I, I think Eddie gets overlooked a bit because, like you said, hugely influential. The whole tapping style on the guitar, mimicked by everybody in the '80s and early '90s. I mean, everybody and their mother decided that it was cool to tap, but Eddie was the one who really kind. Of, I mean, he didn't invent it, but he perfected it. I would certainly say that, and he uh, a massively, hugely influential guitarist van halen as a band is i mean a complicated history to be sure but you know a band that came out of pasadena california just down the street one of my favorite cities in the world pasadena and um you know the the brothers got together it's interesting to me like doing the research on this that they got their big break because of gene simmons of kiss because they were doing a show gene simmons heard them and he's like do you guys have a manager and they're like, well, not, you know, what's a manager? What does that do? And that sort of thing. Gene Simmons hooked them up with their first, you know, kind of real big record deal. And, you know, Van Halen won, of course, one of the most influential albums ever, I, I, I would say. I mean, that's maybe that's a little hyperbolic on me. But, yeah, when Eruption is the second song on that record coming after uh, Running With The Devil, man, that's as powerful as the first two songs you're going to get. Um their first six records with Roth, David Lee Roth, I think they all went multi-platinum. That's a phenomenal, phenomenal run. And, you know, you're going to ask me, do I prefer David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar? Hey, look, definitely David Lee Roth. There, there's no doubt about that. I, I will say this, though, that, I, you know, the I know, and, you know, you can call him Van Hagar if you want to differentiate them. And that that's fine. Whatever. But uh, they... There's good stuff with Sammy Hagar. Don't don't get me wrong. There's not. It's not like Van Halen completely disappeared because everything they did with Sammy was probably multi-platinum as well. It's just there's a difference in the sound. You know, I, I think Eddie Van Halen, you talk about him as a guitarist. You look at those first six records with Roth. It's it's heavy. It's guitarist. 
you get to 1984 and he messes around with Jump. And this kind of creates part of the rift between him and the brothers and David is, you know, they, they did that. And then when they when Sammy comes on, Eddie shows how equally adept he was at keyboards and the keyboards really come to the forefront. A lot of those records, a lot of those songs. But yeah, I, I mean, to me, the bigger question isn't so much whether I'm a Roth or a Hagar guy. It's really, are you a Roth or are you a Van Halen person? You know, whose camp are you in as far as the breakup? Because I don't know if we've ever really gotten a straight answer as to what really happened. I mean, there's hints, there's innuendo, there's uh, the idea that David Lee Roth wanted to, there was differences in music and how they wanted to approach their music. You know, Roth wanting them to go one way. Eddie wanted to go another way. Uh, I know when David Lee Roth broke out on his own, did that EP, what was it, Crazy from the Heat, that caused a lot of friction, and they never truly recovered. But I, I get the impression, too, of listening to Sammy Hagar, that the brothers aren't exactly, weren't exactly the easiest of guys to get along with. Um, even Michael Anthony left the band at one point in time. But yeah, as far as like big-time bands from that era, from the 70s, 80s, up until around 95, 96, when uh, Sammy Hagar got left the band or got fired, whichever side of the coin you want to take. Um, Van Halen's one of the biggest bands in the world. They headlined the Monsters of Rock tour that I went to at RFK Stadium. You know, Metallica was the second band out that day. It was like Van Halen and Scorpions right below them. So, yeah, as big a band Scorpions! as you, yeah, sorry, as big a band as right, you yeah, can get with one of the greatest guitarists of all time who we, who lost last year under tragic circumstances. But you know, when you smoke and drink as much as Eddie did, things are going to happen, unfortunately. And, and he's gone too soon, but stuff, stuff happens, stuff, stuff happens, but but, I mean, that's, that's my thoughts on them. I mean, they're, they were massively for me as a kid growing up and and getting into music at an early age. I, I cannot, I can't even quantify the influence that these guys had on me. Like my sister, my older stepsister, she first got me into like Jamie's crying. And I was like, who the hell are these guys? And just a personal story. You'll like this. And then I'll turn it over to you. Like um, one of the best tribute bands I've ever seen is a band called Fan Halen fan with an F. Okay. These yep. guys, we about probably a decade ago, we, my boss was getting married at Mammoth Mountain, which is one of the biggest ski resorts in California, and it's in the center, basically the center of the state, almost to the Nevada border, going, you know, obviously to the east. But um, they had this big town square, like in the ski village, and Van Halen played there. And when they started playing, like me and my buddy, we were like at the front of the thing, and, you know, there was nobody behind us. By the time they got done playing uh, Feel Your Love Tonight, there was like 3,000 people behind us. And they were just all losing their mind. And I, I, it's rare. I've been in a lot of concerts. But I, it's rare to have that kind of energy and electricity from a tribute band. But these guys were fantastic. If you can catch them, they're awesome. They're, it's all David Lee Roth. They don't play any of the Sammy Hagar stuff. But they're tremendous. But I'll turn it over to you to get your thoughts on one of the biggest, most influential bands of ever. I think. Yeah, it's it's one of those that if you ask a rock artist, you know, a rock guitarist, who are your influences? And and I've been I've been pushing lately, I finally watched the entirety of the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert. And that thing is six hours long, by the way, on Paramount Plus. So it it take you have to like I had to watch I watched it in chunks, but the legacy of Van Halen lived on 
in, in that concert as you know Eddie's was it Eddie's son is the one that plays Wolf, guitar Wolfgang I think he plays bass Wolfgang yeah Wolfgang came and they they played Hot for Teacher and I can't something else and and that whole concert for the first four and a half of that six hour tribute show are artists that Taylor was influenced by and Van Halen right there. Just that, that speaks to the influence for my money. uh, There is no, there, there are many great like opening guitar riffs that you can like put out there that people are like, this is a signature guitar. riff. Like you look at, you know, guns and roses is catalog. Like when Sweet Child of Mine hits that guitar riff when it when it opens the tune. Uh, one of my favorite guitar riffs of all time, though, is the opening guitar riff to "Ain't Talk About Love." Just the way that that song opens and, and hits into it, and that uh, probably one of my low key favorite Van Halen tunes Agreed. is Agreed. is is "Ain't Talk About Love," and, and a lot of that has to do with the guitar play of Eddie. And and yes, I understand. That, that it was not just Eddie Van Halen in Van Halen. Uh, and yet I'm only going to talk about Eddie. So fuck you. But to, to kind of bring this all like, like there's no argument from anybody about whether you like their music or not about their influence and how ridiculously talented they were as a band. And you talked about riffs working for geniuses often results in friction at all, you know, throughout history, Simon and Garfunkel, the fucking Beatles, the Beatles broke up because they, they finally got to a point where artistically they couldn't stand each other. It just couldn't, they were still friends too. That's what's funny. They broke up. They were still friends. They just couldn't stand making music together and wanted to keep doing it. And, you know, just very demanding artists and Van Halen, right. Was right up there with anybody else in terms of, obscenely talented very very demanding they were going to they were going to make their music and they were going to compromise on it brian wilson's another one by the way like just a bitch to work with now he had a lot of other things going on but brian you know someday when we get to my beach boys episode did i i didn't do the beach boys beach boys are one of my all-time favorites ever of all time and is an unfairly pigeonholed band in my opinion to people who don't know music yeah, they get lumped in with all that surfer stuff. But I, you know, I think um, with Van Halen, you you got to talk about David Lee Roth a little bit. Immensely talented, tremendous. You know, oh, so charismatic, charismatic, just, just underrated voice. I would have to say it's very hard. Yep. As a you're a singer, I've dabbled in some singing. It's hard to hit Dave because he falls in this odd kind of range. You know, to in, in my opinion, like where is he on this thing? But he was a. Uh, immensely charismatic immensely eccentric you listen to his interviews later on i, I mean you know in the the gall of him and sammy hagar to actually like hate each other for all these years and then decide to go tour together and never interact with each other on the entire tour it's just it's but mind-numbing but that's that's money talking there is. man that's that's people know what, what drives that it, so it absolutely is but i i think you oh. know Dave's just, uh, he's an interesting character. They're all, I, I wanted to ask this to you before I give you my song. So like when we've talked, you know, yeah. we talked about Taylor Hawkins and we've talked about it on BWN. And I think we even talked about it here. The episode I did about, uh, food fighters, like 
we talk about is Taylor Hawkins, can Foo Fighters continue on? Is Taylor Hawkins replaceable? And it's one of those maybe, maybe not kind of situations. Like Eddie, I know his son's immensely talented, but I don't think you can replace a guy like Eddie Van Halen and, and continue with this band in any, not that they were doing much of anything since the whole Gary Sharon fiasco, that that they really kind of felt, and they reunited with Dave, I know that, and did a few songs, and some of them were good. But, um, you know, what do you think? I, I mean, is, is Eddie Van Halen one of those irreplaceable guys that you just don't try to go on, like Freddie Mercury? or Well, I say that, but Queens persisted, so who knows? Well, I when, when replacing an iconic figure from a band, it's, and, and this is why I think Queen has been so successful with it, they made it very clear that they weren't replacing Freddie, that that no one could possibly re- replace the talent that was Freddie Mercury. I, I think it's a little bit harder with, with Eddie Van Halen's talent, like, like in just what he was. That doesn't mean it's not possible. And I think that it would be very important if they were going to continue, if the Van Halen name was going to continue as Van Halen in tour, that it would be it needs to be it would be made clear by the band like we're not replacing eddie we're honoring a legacy like that's the thing that queen does really really well with freddie is that yeah we're still queen and we're still making music and we're with adam lambert but we're also honoring this legacy that was freddie mercury you got to honor the legacy of eddie van halen if you were to continue to tour because queen doesn't make new albums like like they haven't made new albums roger taylor's made new albums Brian May have, has made new albums. Adam Lambert has done stuff on his own. But there's no Queen. The only Queen release that comes about are like live recordings. Like they're late. In, the last thing that Queen put out was Queen and Adam Lambert live. And it's it's not even one concert. It's a cobbling together of various concerts from a 2020, 2019 world tour. So... Yes, I think they could go on, but it would have to be done as a, in a, in reverence of and tribute to Eddie as much as a continuation of the band playing music. So that's that's my thoughts. What what tracks are you going to regale us with uh, today? Yeah, these are hard because everybody knows most of the Van Halen tracks, but I'll go with a couple of uh, probably known but lesser known ones. One of them is from uh, what is the record? Oh, Fair Warning. Uh, it's a song called Sinner Swing, uh, Fair Warning. One of my, probably one of my, fa- my favorite song off Fair Warning, which is a uh, hell of a record. The other one I am going to give Van Hagar some love for the second song. And it's off of um, for the album for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. You kids at home can figure out what that stands for if you want to just take the initials. I-, I think if you're looking for a Van Hagar album that sounds the most like Van Halen, it's this one, you know, this is a probably a much heavier, less keyboard intensive uh, record, but there's a song on there called the dream is over, which I think is probably my favorite song from that record. So those are the two I've got center swing. The dream is over Van Halen rock on guys. And yeah, that's, that's all I got for season two boss. All right. Well, that'll do it for Dave on season two, two excellent choices. Give those a listen when we get that playlist out at probably at the beginning of season three. That'll be my luck with the way this is going. Uh, we're going to take our second commercial break, and when we come back, I already told you, we're going to talk Hall & Oates. I'm excited to talk Hall & Oates. I hope you're excited to hear us talk about Hall & Oates, because that's what we're going to do when we come back. You are listening to Musical Chairs on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. 
Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right, welcome back everybody to Musical Chairs here on ChairShot Radio, season finale, season two finale. My turn. I've been talking about this concert basically since the start of season two as randomly the opportunity to catch Hall and Oates live and in person, Daryl Hall and John Oates. By the way, I learned this today. Did you know, Dave, that Daryl Hall hates it if you shorten the name of their band to Hall and Oates? Really? Yes. He apparently is very adamant about this, that the name of the band and that you will see on all of their albums is Daryl Hall and John Oates. And, and so it's apparently very, very important to them. Nobody listens to them, of course. We call them Hall and Oates and, and they like it. They'll, they'll deal with it because it's, it's what you do. Nothing, in my opinion, it, almost nothing, in my opinion, is as quintessentially 80s as Hall and Oates, like at all. And today they find themselves with this new life and resurgence in popularity as the concept of yacht rock. And their music is you is the example that everyone gives to yacht rock as to what the genre is, this kind of easy listening, love song, breezy stuff. Here's where I take umbrage with that, because they are so much more than just this breezy yacht rock, you know, smooth listening music. And I point to a couple of tunes. One of them is going to be uh, is going to be a tune that is is my choice. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's hard not to pick a Hall Notes hit. Like when they put out a tune, like it it hit big but like you know every people love man eater people love um sarah smile by the way is is probably is is one that a lot of people point to but their their roots in like the blues like give a listen to to sarah smile like really listen to that and that is that like that is not like it's it's an easy listening tune but it is it is deeply rooted in, in some you know in some heavy blues influence they they were and you know and they formed in the early 1970s like people associate them with the 80s but they knew each other as far back as 1967 and were making music in in the in the 70s you know in the in the 70s and into the 80s they just really took off in the 80s and like most people you don't need a ton uh, of tunes or you don't need a ton of albums to really get a feel for Hall and Oates. You can just get like the essential Hall and Oates and get the, you know, like the twenty some tracks that are that are out there. But Private Eyes, you you know, Kiss on My List. That one was huge, huge back in the eighties. That was that one. They they did a cover of You've Lost That Love and Feeling that people love. I don't want to lose you. It just goes on and on. They were hit makers, Dave. They were just hit makers and whether you think that it was a sellout thing to like them and listen to them they made great music all over the place and i'm happy that they have a a a revived popularity 
The only thing I don't like is I was looking at what I'm facing for a set list for their concert. Their concert looks like it only goes an hour and a half, and it's like 14 tunes. And I'm like, come on, fellas. I know you're up there. But 14, that's what I get? It's because they're a rich girl, and they've gone too far. That's the other thing I love is Hall & Oates fans, you put something out there about Hall & Oates, people will reply to you with lyrics from Hall & Oates songs. I can't go for that. That's a very popular one. You are a man-eater, Pat. Oh, sorry. Just kidding. I, You know what? I only come out at night. So, Dave, what do you think of Hall & Oates? Like, underrated duo. You know, Daryl Hall does most of the singing. John Oates plays the plays the guitar and, and manages the bass lines. And kind of, you know, they both, everything that they perform is basically music that they've written outside of You've Lost That Love and Feeling. Like, their one cover hit that went huge. Uh, they they are tremendous. I I I tend to. I mean, I definitely agree with you that they're, I guess, pigeonholed and kind of overlooked a little bit because of that poppy sort of thing that they kind of fell into when they did. You know, and Private Eyes isn't really. I don't know, man. Kiss on my list is kind of maybe you can make that argument that they kind of went down that path. But yeah, you look at them in like the seventies with songs like She's Gone and like you're talking about Sarah Smile and some of the earlier stuff that they did doesn't have much of that poppiness to them. It sounds like a lot of the stuff you got in this in the mid to late seventies, you know, that sort of thing, or early seventies even. But uh yeah, I, I think, you know, you look at talent, voice, uh ability to connect with a crowd, ability to reach people with just relatable, good music. Uh Daryl Hall and John Oates, they they've gotta be right up there with, you know, some of the most recognizable bands ever. And, you know, the fact that they're still going maybe they've slowed a little bit they're kind of getting up there in age but that's all right uh they're yeah they're one of my i mean i don't know i can't i can't say they're one of my favorites because but i mean they are they are and they aren't i don't know if that makes any sense you know when when you look at that kind of music i listen to that which is a little bit heavier um no but when i step back and look at the bands who were kind of in their sort of like that wheelhouse yeah they're right there at the top i mean they've got a prominent place on my playlist that's for sure whether or not i think they're the greatest band ever or not is irrelevant to the fact that all they do is make really really good music for a very long time and charismatic performers solid musicians you know the band that's backing them up probably kind of the unheralded heroes here and there but it's all right i i think that it's a great great band great choice pat i i have no qualms with your uh reverence of these two guys Excellent. Well, thank you very much. And so I'm not going to, I'm not going to belabor the point. Good luck. I'm going to get to my two favorites. You actually, uh, you actually named one of the songs that I'm going to choose. So I'm going to, I'm going to rattle that one off first because I, you know, I talked about their blues influence and, and that, that they can make a pleasant sounding song out of anything, even if it's thoroughly depressing and she's gone is one of those. Like, we are singing our heart out because she left us. What went wrong? He's trying, like, he is lost looking for answers. And yet the whole time, it's kind of breezy. Got to feel good. It's one of my and, favorites by them, to be honest. And the end of and the end of that tune, when there, there is a key change at the end, when he really goes up and gets after it. And for me, that's that's the best part of the song. Like, it's a, it peaks and is huge. And so that's my first choice. The other one... Dave, I want you to, when you put the tracks on, 
I want this one to be the one that plays everybody out of season of season two, if you don't mind, because you make my dreams come true. The the favorite of happy montages in movies everywhere, and responsible for getting me back into Hall and Oates, because once upon a time I was in I was attending an independent wrestling show in Massachusetts, and this guy Ted Goods is his name, and he is he is worked as a as an enhancement talent at WWE shows. He's been around for a while, but for a brief period. His entrance tune was You Make My Dreams Come True. And he would come out bouncing, clapping his hands, and I loved it. And was like, you know, I kind of miss Hall and & Oates. And that really got me back to listening to John Hall, or Daryl Hall. I've been flipping their names. Daryl Hall and John Oates all over again. And it's just... Anytime you're watching a movie and they need something to show people in a good place, kind of bouncy, you know, sometimes it's Walking on Sunshine by by that other peppy and happy band, that Cool and the Gang group. I, I think it's Cool and the Gang. Is Cool and the Gang be Walking on Sunshine? No. No. No, Cool and the Gang does celebrate uh, or celebration. But You Make My Dreams Come True is another one that that is infectious. You kind of bounce to it. And it's a good song. I love it. And so that's going to be it for musical chairs. And that'll the be the way, final song. Katrina and but, the waves do walking on sunshine. Good luck with uh, that name at the top of your list. Right. Right. Yeah. Just right there that, you know, if we do a one hit wonders episode, which we've talked about doing and we just haven't done. Uh, I think that's for when the well starts to get a little dry on artists. We'll, uh, we'll get to the one hit wonders group, but you make my dreams come true. That's how we're going to wrap up Musical Chairs Season 2. And I feel like that is an apropos way because it's been a, a fun song. It's been a fun season. I've really enjoyed doing this season. I enjoy this this change of pace. And we'll get back to hockey in a couple of weeks because, Noble Listener, there will be no, uh, no hockey talk next week because Patrick's going to be recording or Patrick's going to be watching Hall of Oats at a casino. At the time when we would normally record, yeah, Dave's got things to do. I've got Hall and Oates to catch. It all means that Hockey Talk waits one more week before we get down to it. So, Dave, this is it. We're done. Season two is over. Yep. Here's to you, raising my glass. We're going to head out of here in a sec. Before we go, Tell everybody how they can follow you and find you on the Chair Shot Radio Network. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And you can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can listen to me every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio Network. Monday with the aforementioned David Ungar and a cast of characters on Bandwagon Nerds. You can catch me Tuesday with Dave again. We'll be talking hockey in a, in a, in a couple of weeks uh, or Chair Shot Radio as you are listening to now. And then on Wednesdays, it's Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales talking wrestling on the Greg DeMarco Show. Thank you, everyone. That's going to do it for Season 2 of Chair Shot Radio Musical Chairs. I hope you've enjoyed the music selections as much as we have enjoyed sharing them with you. And we look forward to you 
catching this playlist on Spotify and being back with us for Hockey Talk, or if that's not your thing, back with us when Musical Chairs resumes. You've been listening to Chair Shot Radio, uh, Chair Shot Radio Musical Chairs on the Chair Shot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com.